بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اماب الحمد للہ نائٹ از دا ففتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ ان ٹو دا تھرٹی تھرڈ نائٹ دیٹ وی گوئنگ لائف of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu so after mentioning a few or spending a few sessions discussing his blessed name on the various battlefields to now take a glimpse into his phenomenal worship so just as his knowledge his bravery etc etc were phenomenal so was his worship so i mentioned the great rewards for ribat so a type of ribat is also when you're appointed to god i.e. anything from the state treasury and abu huraira also had this on radiyallahu so this narration is recorded in sahih bukhari number 2311 muallaq in the chapter on waqala Nasai in his Sunan Al-Qubra, number 10,795, and his Amal Al-Yawm Wal-Layla, number 964-5. Bihaqi in his Delay in Nubu'ah, 7-107-8, Abu Nu'im, Fat al-Badi, 4-569, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 503-5 of the New English Translation. So this is important to point out about this report. It's recorded in Bukhari, but it's Mu'allak. So, Mu'allak, is it means that they it stops it doesn't there's a problem with the chain however all of the mu'allaq in bukhari ibn hajar asqalani has connected to other chains so even though it's mu'allaq imam bukhari records it and other hadith scholars also recorded nasai bihaqi abu nu'im etc etc so abu huraira he relates radiyallahu the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam had once appointed me for keeping watch over the zakat of Ramadan. So like I mentioned, this is also a type of reward. <coughs> I to God, the, the state treasury. During the night, a person came and started filling from the heap of grain. I immediately caught him and said, I'm going to take you to the Prophet. He said, I am destitute. I have many children and I am very needy. I so please have pity upon me. I just let him go, i.e. feeling pity for him. Let's open the report. So he's guarding the grains of zakat of Ramadan. I, this is, uh, one report mentions his zakat al-fitr. So when he's guarding, a man emerges and he starts basically helping himself. So Abu Huraira grabs him. He goes, I'm going to take you to the Prophet. So what did the man say? He offered three excuses. He goes, I am destitute. I am poor. Meaning I'm entitled to it anyway. I have many children. That also entitles me to it. And I am very needy. So there's three reasons why I'm entitled to this. Have pity. So Abu Huraira took his word, he let him go. When the morning came, 
رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم آسمی او ابو حریرا رضی اللہ ویر از دا کاپٹو یو کوٹ لاسٹ نائٹ آئی سیڈ یا رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ہی کمپلینڈ اباؤٹ ہز ڈائی نیڈس اینڈ ابنڈنس آف چلڈرن دوس آئی فیل پیٹی فار ہم اینڈ آئی لیٹ ہم گو دا پروفٹ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ریسپونڈڈ ہی ہیز لائڈ ٹو یو یو ول انڈیڈ کم اگین stop in the report so it was a miracle the prophet was informed by obviously revelation abu hurairah is not informed the prophet asked abu hurairah what has happened to your captive so abu hurairah obviously realizes allah ta'ala has revealed this and he says ya rasulullah you know he told him what the man said i felt pity for him the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam again through revelation he goes he's a, he's lied not only has he lied he's coming again and this is important Did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam give the command to Abu Huraira to bring him? No. This is very important to point out. All the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, he's lied. He goes, he's going to come again. There's no mention of capture him, bring him to me. No mention of that at all. The following night, I awaited knowing that he would come For Rasulullah had said so. Look at his iman. He goes, there's 110% he's coming. Because the Prophet said it. He came. And just as before, he began to help himself. Taking handfuls from the grave. I immediately grabbed him. And said, definitely I'm going to take you to the Prophet. This time, he vowed he would never come again. If I let him go, because I give you my word, if you let me go, I will not come again. I believed him, I due to his taking a vow, and I let him go. So what's the second time? So this time he's doing custom, like people do now. Custom, God in my, my mother's life and all that rubbish. He's supposed to swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's doing all these vows, he goes, he goes I let him go. When the morning came, Rasulullah asked me, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, what happened to your captive last night? I said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he again complained, so I released him, meaning he took an oath. The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, replied, he's lied. He will certainly come again. Again, has Rasulullah given the command to bring him to him? No. All he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he's lied. He's coming again. The following night, I waited in ambush for him. <laughs> so the word change. This time you can tell he's you know, boiling over. He's I'm waiting to ambush him. He again came. Started helping himself, taking handfuls with both his hands. I grabbed him. I said, this time, I'm definitely going to take you to the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the man then, lost for words, he then said after the pause, if you release me, I will teach you certain words by which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely benefit you. When you retire to bed, recite ayat al-Kursi from the beginning to the end. If you do this, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will appoint a God for you who will stay with you and no shaitan will come near you till the morning. So now he's offered another thing to get out of the predicament. He's given him knowledge. He says, I'll teach you and you will definitely benefit if you listen to what I'm telling you. Recite Ayatul Kursi, Surah 2 verse 255, the greatest verse of the Quran. And Allah will send an angel to guard you. Shaitan cannot come near you till the morning. I released him. <laughs> Abu Huraira or a subnarrator added, the noble companions were very keen to do good deeds. I righteous deeds were priceless, meant everything to them. This is the key point here. Why is he released him? Because they're not like me and you. When we learn something, we get a little bit, you know, mashallah, learn something. To them, it was like, you know, winning the halal jackpot, right? So he was so ecstatic when he learned that. You go and then you go. When the morning came, the Prophet asked, what happened to your captive, O Abu Huraira? I then said, what had happened? To which he remarked, he has spoken the truth this time. Although he is a big liar. Then looking at Abu Huraira, he said, Do you know whom you've been talking to with for with the last three nights? I said, No, Ya Rasulullah. To which he replied, Dhaqa Shaitan. That was Shaitan. Dhaqa Shaitan. That was Shaitan. So now, this is why I gave you the references. Is this hadith authentic? Yes, it's authentic. Is it recorded in Bukhari Sharif? Yes. But it's Mu'allak. Is the Mu'allak authentic? Yes. Who said so? Hafiz Ibn Hajar Askalani, Shaykh Albani, etc. etc. But it's very important to highlight that it's not a hadith which is completely authentic according to Imam Bukhari standard. But he did collect it. <coughs> so now, that's the report. First point of call. Some ignoramuses in today's day and age, they have tried to argue that this is a fabricated report. Arguing, it portrays Abu Huraira of being a simpleton who persistently disobeyed Rasulullah's command. So think about that. So they think that they're doing Abu Huraira a service here. Because this ill befits Abu Huraira. If you accept it, you would have to agree. He's a simpleton. Because why? Because the Prophet gave him three orders. He disobeyed. So on the face of it, you're thinking, yeah, they've got a point there. That seems like logical. So what is the response to that? The response to this is very simple. Unfortunately, people, you know, living in Cloud Cuckoo Land. Mm. Firstly, it is a Sahih Hadith, mm. as mentioned by many of the great Hufas. And you're not a great Hafiz. So that's the first response. Unless you're on the list as well somewhere. Mm. Secondly, think about this. Mm. Which command of our beloved Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, did Abu Huraira disobey your fruit cake? Mm. 
because Rasulullah never ordered him to bring the captive. That's your assumption. Think about it. That's why I stopped the report. Did the Prophet say to Abu Huraira, this time bring him to me? Then he's disobeyed. All he asked him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what happened to your captive? That's why it's so important not to go through the hadith quickly. You don't assume things in the hadith. So when they say, Abu Huraira is a simpleton, he disobeyed the Prophet. If you accept the report, which command did he disobey? And then they'll add something and hoping you haven't, you know, re you don't realize this is not part of the report. The Prophet told him to bring him. Where does it say that? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Thirdly, even so, our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not rebuke Abu Huraira for his actions. So if, for argument's sake, you, your assumption is right, he should have been brought to the Prophet. You're assuming that. And let's go with that. Why didn't the Prophet rebuke him? I told you to bring him. Why didn't you bring him? All he said was, out of curiosity, what happened to your captive last night, Abu Huraira? Fourthly, Shaitan himself testified to the power of Ayatul Kursi. Now think about that. That's very interesting. We believe, of course, 100%, 110% Rasulullah He told us the greatest verse of the Qur'an is Ayatul Kursi. Does it matter if shaitan testifies to it? No, we're not bothered about him. He's a big liar. But the fact that he testified, think about that. You know, the big shaitan himself testified. What does that tell you about Ayatul Kursi? So when he was telling Abu Huraira that he you decide this, no shaitan can come near you. That meant Abu Huraira wasn't doing that. Look how interesting. He didn't know that. And he was so ecstatic, he let him go. That actually shows the greatness of Abu Huraira because he thought he's telling me the truth here. And he was right. That's why he let him go. So now, which fruit cake finds fault with this hadith? So you got to mention it because they go on public platforms. Mufti Leith from Birmingham. <laughs> Right? He's got a, I don't know what, you know, he's on YouTube and all sorts. Mufti Laith. Right? So Mufti Laith, he said, this hadith is a, a concoction. It's a fabrication. He goes, it makes Abu Huraira look like a simpleton. And the response is, if anybody's a simpleton, it's you. And then his chain of thought is, why did he not bring him to the Prophet? And the response is, he never told him to bring him to the Prophet. That's your assumption. So again, that's why there's a hadith in Behaki Sahih. The Prophet said, Beware of the public slaughter places. Uh, beware of the slaughter places. And the Sahaba asked, What are slaughter places, Ya Rasulullah? He goes, Public platforms. Meaning you get into a public platform and you open your mouth out of ignorance because you've slaughtered yourself. And the reason I mentioned him is because you be, you know, you're alerted to that. Anybody who listens to the talk will realize he's made a serious mistake. So obviously, he should do Tawbah. Now, fifthly, to prove that this incident was true, many similar incidents occurred to other great companions. This is the most authentic from Abu Huraira. So let me mention other reports proving this, these incidents are of a real nature. So the hadith is in Tirmidhi, number 2880, in the chapter on the virtues of the Qur'an. Hassan Gharib. Ahmed in his Musnad, 5-423, Hassan. 
Behaki in his delight in Nubu'a 7-109 to 110. Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, Volume 2, page 22 of the English translation. Tarheeb, Volume 3, page 33. Tabarani, Abu Nu'im in his delight, page 217. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, Volume 6, page 323. Comments upon the chain of narrators. Ayat al-Sahaba, Volume 5, page 505, relate similar. Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Layla, Rahmatullah alayhi, relates. Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, radhi Allah, he had a store room in which he kept debts. So this is another incident. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari was the famous host of the Prophet, who, who hosted the Prophet for over half a year, radhi Allah. He had a small store room where he kept debts. Subhanallah, as fate would have it, a ghul would come and take from it. Thus he complained of this to the Prophet So let's look at this. Stop in the report. Ghul. And what's interesting, the word in English, ghul, comes from that word. So the word ghul comes from the Arabic ghul. It's a, it means a jinn. They call it a ghost. It's a jinn. And Abu Ayyub al-Ansari complained because Ya Rasulullah, my dates of, you know, my grains or whatever is kept within is, is reducing. The Prophet sallam, said, Go and when you see her, say in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, answer to Rasulullah. So it was a female ghost or jinni. So the Prophet said, Command that jinni in the name of Allah, answer to Rasulullah. So Abu Ayyub continued, radiyallahu, thus I caught her. And she swore that she would not return. He goes, please, please, I swear to God, please let me go. I promise I won't return. I released her. He then went to the Prophet, وسلم, and he asked, Ma fa'ala asiruk? What did your captive do, oh, Abu Ayyub? So look how amazing. Before he's actually said anything, the Prophet is telling him, what did your captive do? Abu Ayyub said, she swore that not to ever return. The Prophet said, she has lied and she will return to lie. So Abu Ayyub now obviously, I'm just boiling up. I caught a second time. She again swore that she would not return, pleading even more passionately. I, thus I felt pity for her. I released her. Went to the Prophet Same question. What did your captive do? He said she swore not to return. He responded, She has lied. She will return to lie. Thus, he caught her again and said, Ma ana bitariqik hatta adhaba biki ilan nabi. I shall never release you until you accompany me to the Prophet. So the third time Abu Ayyub says, Never. No matter what you say, I'm not releasing you. You're going to the Prophet. She thereupon paused and then said, I shall inform you of something. If you recite Ayatul Kursi in your dwelling, 
then no shaitan no any other shall come near you those he went to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he once again asked ma fa'ala asiruk what did your captive do he responded i informed him of what she said and he sallallahu alaihi wasallam said sadaqat wa hiya kadhub she told the truth but remember is nevertheless a continuous life subhanallah she is told the truth but nevertheless she is a continuous liar so now something is added here that female jinni she said if you recite ayatul kursi in your dwelling your home no shaitan then look what she said no any other shall come near you who was she referring to so what she was referring to was anything evil what allah taala has created Because we don't know what Allah Taala has created. We know this jinn. We know this shayatin. Because nothing can come near you if you recite ayatul kursi in your dwelling. We don't trust them because she's a liar. But the Prophet said, "Sadaqat." She spoke the truth. Wahiya kadub. But she's a big liar. So note the shayatin, the shayatin, the the world of the jinn are telling us ayatul kursi is a great barrier for you to be protected from us. So that's Abu Ayyub. Let's turn to another sahab. A similar incident also happened to Mu'adi bin Jabal. In Tabarani, Ar-Ruyani, Al-Haytami, Majma' Al-Zawaid, volume 6, page 322, comments upon the chair of narrators. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 501-3. Abu Nu'im and his Delayl Nubu'a, page 217, relates similar. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informed Mu'ad, that is the work of shaitan, trap him something similar happened to muad radiyallahu because trap the shaitan muad radiyallahu said i lay in wait for him one night look how strange this is <laughs> the jinns are the ones who usually see us waiting to attack us at any given opportunity muad's waiting for him <laughs> so think about that okay now if you think about it it's quite interesting when a portion of the night had passed The shaitan arrived in the form of an elephant. So now what's, what do we understand? Stop in the report. Do the jinn actually change into what they change into? And the answer is no. Sayyidina Umar radiyallahu said, they use some sort of incantation. And with that, they transform into the image of what you see. Why? because if they could actually change into that they'll cause havoc <laughs> so it appears to you so going to this report the shaitan arrived in the form of an elephant nothing about that no shaitan as he reached the door he stopped and then entered through the cracks of the door in another form so he's shifting elephant huge goes into a small form enters drawing close to the dates He started making morsels out of them. It was then that I gathered my garments tightly around me and I caught him red-handed. I thereupon said, I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship but Allah and I testify Muhammad is his servant and messenger. O enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have leapt and taken the dates of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Where is the right of the poor? 
I shall thus now be taking you before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he will disgrace you. This is the report. So Mu'ad first did the shahada because the Prophet spoke the truth as always. I've caught you. I've trapped you. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He goes, these days don't belong to you. They belong to the poor. I'm going to take you now to the Prophet and disgrace you. However, he promised me that he will never repeat what he did. <laughs> so I released him. And then the same thing happened three times. I don't want to keep repeating it. So the same thing came back, let him go a third time. The third time the shaitan pleaded. I am a shaitan who has a family to support. I have come all the way from Nasibin, I Turkey. And would not have come had I found anything closer. We had initially been residing in this city of yours until your master was sent as a prophet. We thus had to flee from here when two portions of the Quran were revealed. Whenever these two portions are recited in a dwelling, a shaitan will be unable to enter it for three days. I am thus now prepared to teach you these two portions if you let me go. Let's go into this. Stop in the report. He's a shaitan. Shaitan got families. Imagine that. Thing. <laughs> you know how weak are they? So I thought you were all powerful. You got family to support. Right? So shaitan's got family to support. Even the big shaitan's got family. He's got children as well. Then he said, I had to come all the way from Turkey. So what the heck is he doing in Turkey? If you just take it, you know, in the geography, we've got now thousands of miles from Turkey to Medina. The reason he was there was because of Rasulullah. He proverbially booted him. So not only was he kicked out of Medina, he's kicked out of the Arabian Peninsula, he's landed in Turkey. But because they had an affiliation with the city, that was their home before the Prophet came. He goes, I came back. And then he said, But we flee from where two portions of the Quran are revealed. If you recite these two portions in a dwelling, Shaitan is not able to enter it for three days. I will teach you if you let me go. I agreed. He informed me there were Ayatul Kursi and the concluding two verses of Surah Al Baqarah. I am an Rasulah to the end. When this was brought to the attention of the Prophet he said, he spoke the truth, even though he is a great liar. Thereafter, Mu'ad said, I always recited these two portions of the Quran over the dates, and subhanAllah, never found them to decrease ever again. So, an addition is mentioned now. Ayatul Kursi, and the last two verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. The Prophet said, in Sayyid Bukhari, whoever decides the last two verses at night of Baqarah, they are sufficient. So what does that mean, sufficient? It means sufficient for everything. Sufficient for your world, sufficient for your grave, sufficient for your day of judgment, sufficient. That's why Ali radiyallahu said in Hakim in his Mustadrak Sahih, only a madman would not recite the last three verses of Baqarah. So Ali added one. He goes, go back to Lillahi. So read from Lillahi. He goes, if you don't, you are mad. Meaning, you don't know what you've lost. Now think about that. So how many of us recite the last three verses of Bakr every night? Then we start mourning. 
Oh, but problems. Hmm? Well, what did you expect? If Sahaba were getting problems, who are you? Hmm. Right? Think about that. If the city of the Prophet had problems, what's Sheffield? Hmm. Right? What makes you special? Hmm. You got Taviz on, right? Think about that, right? We're, we're our own worst enemies. No, so you recite the last three verses every night. Ailillahi mafis. And the reason you add is because Ali knew something. And of course, we trust him. He added one verse. So he knows something that we don't know. And of course, we follow him. The Prophet said he's the gate of knowledge. And then when Mu'ad recited it, he goes, nothing stopped. Because everything stopped. Now, what's interesting about it? The shayateen can steal from you. Now, why do they do that? One of the reasons they do that is they want to cause tension between husband and wife. Why? Because if your money goes missing and you know that the only other person who knows where your money is is your wife, your natural reaction is going to be is your wife. And then what happens? You go red in the face. Why did you take the money? And she's going, no, I didn't even touch it. There's nobody else. It has to be you. Shaitan's eating popcorn, laughing his head off. Why is he doing that? He's not after the money. He just wants you to separate. Your, pack, your spiritual pants are done. You're not even protected. Then you say to your wife, Oh, right. Hang on a minute. From now on, every night. Right? And then, see what happens. Next minute, you can leave your open. Money's still there. That's if she's not stealing. <laughs> right? But this is another thing that you need to be careful of. Don't accuse. This is why the Prophet said, Suspicion is the worst form of lies. Why? Because you haven't got proof. Even though you got, you know, it seems apparent, but there's the hidden world as well. Think about that, astaghfirullah. Who else had a similar, similar incident? Ubay ibn Iqab. So what happened with Ubay? So where's the reference? The hadith is in Nasai Sahih, Tabarani, Hakim, Behaki, Abu Naim, Sa'id ibn Mansur, Kanzul Omar, volume 1, page 221, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 70 of the New English Translation. Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullah, stated Sahih. In Sahih ut Targheeb, number 662. So, Obey ibn Qa'ab, he saw what looked like a young boy. When he asked him to stretch his hand, he goes, stretch out your hand. When the boy stretched out his hand, Obey radiallahu saw his hand was that of a dog's and was also covered with dog's hair. So, imagine a boy next minute, poor comes out. With hair. Obey then said, such is the appearance of the jinn. The jinn thereupon said, all of the jinn will know that nobody is more powerful than I. To stop in the report. So what is he trying to do? He's trying to fight, fight in the Sahaba. He goes, ah, the greatest, strongest jinn, all the jinn will know this. So Obey looks at him, and said, then why are you committing theft? <laughs> about you know, the powerful because well, if you're the powerful why are you stealing you know you're a thief <laughs> the jinn replied he changed his tone I have heard that you are the person who lives who loves to give sadaqah so I wish to have some of your food look how you know the shaitani they are first he tried to frighten him not working now he's doing that you know flattening he goes you're generous you're you don't mind me taking your food so Obey then looked at him and said, What can protect us from the likes of you? 
So look at the greatness of Ubay. He wasn't scared. He was thinking about us. He was thinking about the weaker Muslims. You see a jinn, you see him, they're in the psychiatric ward next day. <laughs> right? He goes, what's happened? Hey, what's, what's happened to him? So he goes, what can protect us from the likes of you? The jinn replied. The verse called Ayatul Kursi, which appears in Surah Al-Baqarah. Whoever recites it in the evening shall be protected from us till the morning. Whoever recites it in the morning will be protected from us till the evening. Allah, who went early next day to the Prophet informed him of the incident. The Prophet said, the wretch actually spoke the truth. So note, each and every one, they were shaitans, the worst of the jinn. The Prophet said, big liars, shaitan, wretch. They weren't good jinn. They were wretches. The Prophet said, they speak, they're speaking the truth. Similar incidents happened to other companions, such as Abu Usaid al-Ansari, who recorded in Tabarari, and Zayd ibn Thabit in Ibn Abi Dunya. Thus, Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Skalani, he said, Rahmatullah in Fat al-Bari, volume 4, page 489, they are all considered to be separate incidents. Abu Huraira, Zayd ibn Thabit, Ubay ibn Qa'ab, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, etc, etc. Because these are all Ibn Hajar al-Skalani said, separate incidents. Subhanallah, such was a normal daily occurrence in the lives of the magnificent companions. <laughs> so now, Wa'afa mentioned this at length. In conclusion, are all these avalanche of reports to be rejected? Simply due to our frail intellects. Like Mufti Layat said. Because these are just stories. Because why you so think about it. You know how much narrations have I quoted to you? Rejected all of them. How dangerous is that? Imam Ahmad Rahmatullah said, whoever rejects one Sahih hadith of the Prophet is on the verge of destruction. One. So this is the Mufti in inverted commas. Imagine any Mufti. To Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our complaint. And just to add this to finish, were the Sahaba fearful of the jinn? Every report I mentioned, what, what impression do you get? If anybody was fearful, it was the jinn. You know, if that's the impression you get, you're thinking, they were the ones scared to death. Why? Because that is the normal procedure with the jinn. But if you elevate them to some, you know, they overpower you because of your weakness. There's actually a report where Abdullah ibn Abbas, one of his students, I think it was Mujahid, he was playing tahajjid. He started being. A shaitan appeared in the image of ibn Abbas. <laughs> Imagine he's playing his tahajjid. And he's thinking, right, he's offering his tahajjid. And then the shaitan sits on the wall, trying to distract him in his tajid, or to frighten him. Mujahid, if it was him, rahmatullahi, as soon as he finished his tajid, he launched onto the jinn. Then the report says, he, he heard a thud. So the jinn actually fell to the side of the wall. We, there was nobody, nobody to be seen. So was Mujahid fearful of the jinn? No. They only fear you, if you fear them. Right? This is very interesting. So note again here, the companions, they were taught by the best. They weren't scared of them at all. In fact, they extracted things out of them. Before I leave, you better teach me something. And they're teaching them. Imagine, yeah, do this and do that. Everything will be alright. So, 
The other very interesting thing to wrap up, notice that all of the companions were from the Ansar. Why didn't the jinn take on the Mahajirun? That's fascinating, right? All of the companions are mentioned from the Ansar. And again, lessons to be learned, i.e., when going through the lives of the great companions. But Abu Huraira, this was another ibad he had. He was guarding the zakat of Ramadan. So note again, his life is now being unfolded and we can see the incredible worship that he was involved in. Are there any questions you'd like to ask?